You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Traffic jam at 400 feet. NASA and the FAA are preparing to revolutionize air traffic control for the drone era. By Chris Feliciano Arnold. Please stay clear of the flight line, warns Keith Hyde, director of U.S. operations for Wing. Safety comes first on these two fenced-off acres at the dead end of Welcome Street in Christiansburg, Virginia where Wing has, since 2019, been running the first North American drone delivery service. The drones are Electric Vertical Takeoff and Landing, or EVTOL, aircraft. So instead of a runway, they park on a grid of landing pads that double as charging stations. Three dozen of the pads are arranged on a gravel patch the size of a basketball court, each topped with a QR code large enough for an incoming drone to scan and confirm its touchdown location. Wing, owned by Alphabet, has no competition for the skies over Christiansburg, a town of 22,000 not far from Virginia Tech, and it operates only in clear, windless weather. Its drones are made of light plastic and polystyrene, but still weigh in at 10 pounds because of the controllers, lasers, cameras, and battery packs required to achieve their 12-mile round-trip range. This morning, a dozen drones recharge, awaiting orders. The flight line is flanked by 11 shipping containers. The ones labeled C-1, C-2, and C-3 are where the drones sleep during off-hours. Containers C-3, C-4, C-5, and C-6 hold inventory from partners such as Walgreens, a local coffee shop, and an area Girl Scout troop, which relied on wing to shore up flagging cookie sales during the pandemic. On the perimeter, Merchant Success Associate Folaki Adeshina, who's wearing a hard hat, an N95 mask, and a yellow safety vest, waits for an order. Her tablet dings, and she glances at the request. Hot coffee. C6 is stocked with carafes, cups, cream, sugar, and stir sticks. Adeshina fills two cups with steaming hot brew. As she works, the pilot in command, or PIC, a man identified only as PJ, who's stationed in C11 behind a computer, chooses which drone will fulfill the mission. 
The system has already calculated an optimal flight plan, but the Federal Aviation Administration requires a pilot for the mission, along with an observer who's surveying the operation from a nearby hill. The PIC could probably be replaced with a decision algorithm, Hyde says as PJ smiles behind the window of his container. Hyde is no longer working for Wing. It's not PJ's fault that he's human, nor that humans have caused most accidents throughout the history of air travel. The FAA has been trying to solve for the fallibility of pilots and air traffic controllers since the dawn of commercial aviation. In one study from 1965, the agency identified the vital characteristics of a successful air traffic controller. Among those criteria, steady attention to work and conduct, ability to organize and make the most effective use of time, equipment, and information currently available, rate of continued improvement, emotional stability under pressure. Stalwart though they may be, PJ and other humans in the aviation system can't compete on those grounds with a finely tuned algorithm. So from Wing's perspective, the sooner humans are only pouring the coffee, the safer and more profitable its operations will be. For now, PJ's job is secure. The drone buzzes to life, its 12 rotors lifting it 20 feet from its QR code. It hovers over to C6, where Adashina weighs the coffee order and tucks everything into a box, adding a small carton of water for ballast. A line with a red plastic hook unspools from the drone's belly. Box meets hook, and the drone draws the package snug to its chest, rises to 180 feet, converts to cruising mode, and flies off at 70 miles per hour. Somewhere in Christiansburg, the recipient might be tracking the coffee's progress on Wing's mobile app. Upon approaching its pre-approved drop area, the drone will slow to a hover, descend to 20 feet, let down its hook, and set its cargo gingerly on the ground before buzzing home to recharge. This carefully controlled process is a crucial step toward building one of the trickiest elements of a successful drone delivery enterprise, public confidence. Crashes must become a statistical near-impossibility before the FAA will certify drones such as these to operate widely and before people will tolerate the increase in air traffic. Even the most zealous drone advocates admit that an ill-timed crash could set the industry back years. If key regulatory approvals click into place, though, the global market for commercial drone services could increase from $20.8 billion in 2021 to about $500 billion by 2028, according to an analysis by Grandview Research. Designers are preparing unmanned aircraft to assist with long- and short-range package delivery, agriculture, infrastructure inspection, fire and police services, and more. Passenger flights might not be far behind. The companies jockeying for airspace promised that their drones can help decongest cities, decarbonize transportation, and make it unnecessary to build and maintain roads in undeveloped areas. Yet despite advances in electric propulsion and battery technology, the rosiest projections for drone flight have been slow to materialize. Almost 10 years have passed since Jeff Bezos demonstrated Amazon's drone delivery project on 60 Minutes, but the technology remains at the proof-of-concept stage, at least in the U.S. The hardware, software, and infrastructure demands are complex enough, but the most intense challenge might well be managing the quantum leap in air traffic. Today, about 200,000 planes and helicopters are in active use in the U.S., with around 5,400 flying during peak hours. The potential number of drones that could take to the sky is exponentially higher. 
With an eye to this future, NASA and the FAA have been collaborating since 2017 to research and write new rules for U.S. airspace. The aim is to accommodate millions of unmanned drone operations below 400 feet, as well as next-generation light passenger aircraft that mix human and algorithmic piloting at altitudes as high as 5,000 feet. The project includes a dizzying array of specifications that cover airframes, sensors, communications hardware and bandwidth, vertiports, i.e. airports for drones, and most important, traffic. The aircraft will need rules that humans and computers alike can follow intuitively and that help determine who's accountable for accidents. The drone network will require unprecedented cooperation between government and industry. True believers worry that regulators are lagging behind advances in aviation technology, pointing to the strides other countries are making toward integrating drones into their economies. Some critics, on the other hand, are concerned that industry is pushing regulators to move too fast, underestimating the difficulty of safely introducing millions of new aircraft to the national airspace. Done wrong, lives could be lost. Done right, the system will win the public's trust, create massive new industries, and mark the biggest evolution in U.S. transportation since the interstate highway system. In 2010, Mark Moore, a veteran NASA engineer, published a white paper showing that distributed electrical propulsion, which replaces bulky combustion engines with smaller, highly efficient electric motors, could transform how aircraft take off, maneuver, and land. Back in those days, everyone looked at these electric motors and controllers and batteries and said, they're way too heavy, Moore recalls. But the skeptics were running numbers based on tired assumptions about distance, weight, and payload. Most traditional passenger and cargo aircraft are designed to carry the maximum amount of weight the farthest possible distance. That design, in turn, determines the infrastructure required on the ground, regional, national, and international hubs built on routes planned and managed by human air traffic controllers. Moore's vision for EVTOL aircraft was smaller payloads flying shorter distances. In the decade after his paper was published, advances in electric motors, battery capacity, and computing power made that vision viable. In 2017, he left NASA to advise Uber Elevate on its air taxi ambitions. Once you develop this new technology set, you completely change the rules for how aircraft are designed, he says. This new technology set also means changing the rules for how air traffic is managed. Today, most congestion occurs 10,000 feet above ground within a few nautical miles of major airports in what's called Class B airspace. With the help of air traffic controllers, pilots carefully share this airspace until they reach the relative safety of Class A airspace, above 18,000 feet, and ultimately cruising altitude, generally between 33,000 and 42,000 feet, where there's far less potential to harm people or property or to collide with another aircraft. In the world of EVTOL aircraft, by contrast, thousands of delivery drones could be flying under 400 feet in Class G airspace, a small, currently uncontrolled stratum. Right above that, hundreds of larger passenger drones, some autonomous, some piloted, could be operating in Class B airspace, zipping along routes typically occupied by helicopters. Pilots such as PJ could be supervising dozens of these operations at once, with computers handling most moment-to-moment -moment decisions. The FAA saw trouble looming in 2005 when unmanned recreational drones first entered the national airspace. 
It would be the agency's responsibility, in conjunction with local, state, and other federal policymakers, to determine the precise regulations and infrastructure required for the safe operation of these proliferating vehicles. Items up for debate? Whether drones followed existing transportation routes, such as railroad tracks and highways, whether they'd be free to travel through private airspace, what times, altitudes, and decibel levels they'd be required to observe. The sheer number of potential drone flights also introduced privacy and surveillance concerns. Would the aircraft be allowed to capture still images, video, or audio? And how long could that data be stored? Integrating drones with the air traffic control system required vast aviation expertise and computational prowess. Fortunately, that was the signature blend of the NASA Ames Research Center, a moon-base-inspired campus sandwiched between Moffett Field and the Googleplex in Silicon Valley. People forget that the A in NASA stands for aeronautics, says Joey Rios, chief technologist in the Aviation Systems Division at Ames. Engineers at this complex of wind tunnels, laboratories, and supercomputers have pushed every boundary of flight since it was established in 1939 to hone military aircraft. They've fail-tested war blimps and fighter planes, subjected astronauts to blackout G-forces in experimental aircraft, and designed the parachutes that land rovers on Mars. Rios, a computer scientist by training, joined NASA's unmanned traffic management project in 2014, a year before the agency formally teamed up with the FAA to work on the problem. Much of this group's work involves crunching real-time and theoretical flight data to create models and 3D simulations. It's like an untouched ball of clay, Rios says. Everyone has a view of what it should look like when we're done, but we have to go through that process of peeling away the parts and actually coming away with something beautiful at the end. For drones to be commercially useful, they must first be certified for flight beyond their operator's visual line of sight, which requires proof that they can fly safely even if they lose power, drop connectivity, or encounter something weird. In 2016, NASA began testing the aircraft in an increasingly dense, uncontrolled airspace at six sites throughout the U.S. First, test pilots flew drones in rural areas in anticipation of their assisting with agriculture, infrastructure inspection, and fire suppression and other dangerous jobs. With the airspace almost empty, Rios and his colleagues focused on designing basic rules for things such as scheduling or establishing geographical boundaries, trying to make the guidelines flexible enough to accommodate more complex environments. One of the hardest things was making sure we weren't making design decisions that pruned off potentially very valuable operational architectures in the future, he says. From there, testing progressed to exurbs and small towns, where risks to life and property were greater, and then to the suburban areas where drone delivery could become commonplace. That was when the technical challenges began intersecting with questions of trust. Now you're getting into more of public perception, Rio says. You know, there's drones flying over my head. How do you begin to assure the system and the vehicles themselves such that folks can have confidence that it's going to be safe? Between rounds of testing, he and the team fed flight data to the Hyperwall, a supercomputer-powered visualization system that allows researchers at Ames to simulate flight plans in 3D environments. They've organized the sky into color-coded virtual highways and lanes, yellow, red, blue, and green, each with particular considerations and rules for altitude, velocity, and right-of-way. The Class G airspace under 400 feet, 
where the bulk of drone traffic will be, is far from commercial traffic, but it's close to some sensitive infrastructure. Power transmission lines and bridges are vulnerable to being hit. On school grounds, security and privacy are obviously of utmost concern. Prison officials worry that drones could drop contraband over walls. Between 400 feet and 5,000 feet, the altitude ideal for passenger drones and air taxis, most aircraft would begin by using existing helicopter routes, expanding only when the system is proven to be safe. All the lower-altitude traffic still needs to cooperate with existing air traffic flying to and from Class B airspace above 10,000 feet. To complicate matters, companies are experimenting with a variety of sizes, shapes, and design features. NASA and the FAA have been working closely with Boeing, Airbus, Amazon, FedEx, police chiefs, firefighters, and other public and private partners. They've conducted thousands of hours of flights, passing along data on connectivity rates, landing accuracy, flight performance, and more to help government agencies and manufacturers refine their regulations and designs. The ultimate test for these aircraft was the urban canyon of a densely populated metropolis, where hundreds of drones could theoretically be delivering sushi, aiding firefighters, and shooting wedding videos simultaneously. Would household Wi-Fi devices interfere with aircraft signals? How would drones respond to the wind tunnels and updrafts between high-rises? With more demand on bandwidth, would they retain their connectivity? The testing began in Reno, Nevada, where researchers first simulated flights by strapping sensors to the bed of a pickup truck and driving below the routes. Only when they were confident it was safe did the drones take to the air. One of the foundational tasks of air traffic management is known as strategic deconfliction, essentially planning routes in space and time so vehicles don't collide. Traditionally, this problem is solved by air traffic controllers with help from radar and software. Then, once the aircraft are aloft, they have to be prepared for tactical deconfliction, in which pilots avoid a collision, also assisted by radar and software. For designers of unmanned aircraft, tactical deconfliction is particularly vexing. It's one thing to build a vehicle that can identify its own position in relation to the ground. It's even more difficult to design sensors that can identify other small aircraft in an uncontrolled environment with wind, rain, birds, kites, and other variables. We found that aircraft operating even within 300 feet of each other were experiencing dramatically different weather, Rio says. Strategic and tactical deconfliction become vastly more complicated as air traffic density increases and users summon aircraft on demand. Frat house burrito deliveries would need to make way for grandpa's prescription refill, which would need to hold for a kidney en route for transplantation. In certain emergency scenarios, medical evacuations, electrical storms, terror threats, all drones would need to be grounded. The most challenging circumstances to plan for, though, are everyday off-nominal scenarios, unexpected reroutes, missed approaches, obstructions on the vertiport, unstable landings, uncooperative vehicles in the airspace. Such scenarios are difficult for human pilots to negotiate in open airspace. They become potentially catastrophic in congested space, where a mistake can incite a chain reaction of failures or collisions. To evaluate the risks, researchers with the Mid-Atlantic Aviation Partnership, a collaboration among leading universities in the FAA, have slammed drones into buildings, cars, and dummies at a test site on the outskirts of Christiansburg.
They're measuring the kinetic energy on impact, trying to determine, among other things, at what speed a drone of a given weight might penetrate a wall, shatter a windshield, lacerate skin, or inflict a severe injury. The data will inform standards for aircraft variables such as weight, construction materials, battery capacity, maximum speed, altitude, range, and payload. These standards will in turn influence the infrastructure needs of the entire system. While Rios and his colleagues continue gathering and modeling the data, smaller nations, including Finland and the United Arab Emirates, have already approved commercial drone flights. The UK launched its first commercial drone corridor in 2021, with plans to expand it into a drone superhighway by 2024, linking towns along a 164-mile span. And earlier this year, Chinese regulators outlined certification requirements for autonomous flight systems. The U.S. is behind in some respects, but the federated network it's planning would be built to scale up fast. Much like today's cell phone network providers, it would encompass a web of smaller private networks, which would share vital information in real time so aircraft could plan routes, detect and avoid one another, and prioritize traffic. Operators and network service providers would share enough flight data to keep the sky safe, but not so much that they jeopardize privacy or competition. If the network proves safe for cargo deliveries, drone companies and investors hope, people will soon feel comfortable becoming the cargo themselves, hopping in bigger, fancier aircraft to get across town. They're pouring in billions of dollars in anticipation of that day. When cars exit Hollister Municipal Airport, a two-runway public facility in California's Central Valley that serves as a base for firefighting missions, they're met with a sign, Pilots, did you close your flight plan? Whisk Arrow, a joint project of Boeing and the Larry Page aviation venture Kitty Hawk, is trying to get around the age-old problem of pilots forgetting to file their paperwork by developing an artificial intelligence-driven flight control system that's reliable enough to be trusted with passengers. On the opposite side of the airfield, in a hangar surrounded by vegetable fields, Whisk is conducting test flights of Cora, an autonomous air taxi designed to fly safely and tirelessly and always remember its flight plans. Over 80% of aviation accidents are human error, says WISC Chief Executive Officer Gary Geisen on the morning of a Cora test flight. That figure seems damning of human pilots, though it's also the case that many fateful decisions are inextricably linked to environmental or technological factors. No matter... Geisen, the former CEO of Liquid Robotics Oil & Gas, a Boeing subsidiary focused on autonomous undersea mining, exudes confidence in machines. We know that self-flying will be safer. Whereas competitors such as Archer Aviation are seeking to launch services that will involve human pilots at first, Whisk is betting that an AI-driven product will ultimately be safer and more profitable. In its world, a human greeter at the Vertiport will help you into your seat for a safety briefing, but once you're up in the air, it will be just you, your fellow passengers, and a headset connected to ground control as the aircraft flies you to your destination. The company signed an agreement last year with aircraft sharing service Blade Urban Air Mobility to provide and operate 30 autonomous air taxis on its U.S. routes. The goal is to deploy them in late 2024, part of a larger plan to manufacture a fleet capable of operating 14 million flights annually in 20 cities worldwide. First, though, 
WISC will need to submit its sixth-generation four-seat vehicle to the FAA for certification with the aim of having the country's first operational autonomous passenger aircraft. Until regulatory standards for such vehicles have been published, it's testing, testing, and more testing, feeding Cora terabytes of flight data so it can learn to avoid the kinds of mishaps that have dogged autonomous driving efforts on the ground. On this day, Geisen and his team will oversee a flight from across an airstrip dotted with roaming chickens. Back in the hangar, Chief Test Pilot Raymond Schreiner, the FAA-mandated human in command, will take Cora through a series of exercises designed to hone mid-air turns. Or rather, Schreiner will watch Cora take itself through a series of exercises. On the tarmac, the canary-yellow multicopter the size of a taxicab, equipped with 12 white rotors, spins to life. Cora lifts off with a whir and hovers at 33 feet. Then the rotors retract, and it zooms down the airstrip powered by a tail propeller. According to the FAA, Cora can't fly beyond the sightline of its humans, so WISC staffers chase it haplessly down the runway in a Nissan Leaf. Before reaching Highway 101, where earthbound commuters go about their business, Cora stops, hovers, and executes a delicate 180-degree turn. Those pedal turns are really hard, Geisen says. We have experienced pilots who say it's really difficult to keep it so stable. Cora whizzes back to its starting point to repeat the exercise, and the leaf pulls a U-turn, struggling to catch up. Over the years, the team has taken it through various failure scenarios, pushing the hardware and software to their limits and testing the drone's emergency parachute. Later this week, Schreiner will take Cora through pirouette and roller coaster maneuvers to really work the fans. Every exercise makes the computer more responsive to changes and the aircraft less likely to crash. Ultimately, the company will need to test Cora's visibility, connectivity, and reliability in every conceivable flight scenario. But before it can do that, it will need new directives from the FAA. In the meantime, WISC is doing additional testing in New Zealand, where looser regulations allow it to fly longer, more complex missions beyond the sight of a human observer. The company is also working there on building social acceptance for its services, surveying locals about their fears and aspirations for the new technology, and conducting public flight demonstrations. It's even hosting field trips for Maori schoolchildren at its hangar, aiming to stir the imaginations of future engineers. It's a blueprint for how we have to do this in any city and any country where we launch, Geisen says. From a social licensing perspective, is this acceptable? Is the noise level okay? Do you mind seeing these things in the sky? To shore up public confidence in the U.S., NASA and the FAA are planning a national campaign consisting of industry working groups, flight tests and demonstrations, and community engagement events. Throughout, NASA will gather opinion data that policymakers and standards bodies can combine with technical requirements to set local, state, and federal rules. These vehicles are flying at lower altitudes and landing in areas that aircraft typically have not landed before, says Shivanjali Sharma, an aerospace engineer who leads advanced air mobility research at NASA. Noise is about more than just frequency and decibel level. Those pieces are really important to us to understand at a much deeper level before we can integrate these operations more tightly into our everyday lives. Of course, the core component for social acceptance is safety. It seems inevitable that drones will crash, like computers crash, like phones crash, like planes crash. And disaster can come in many forms. 
Drones can drop weapons and traffic drugs. They can fly over personal airspace and violate civil liberties. They can weaken already frayed social safety nets by pushing a contactless, on-demand culture that draws people further into their bubbles. However pervasive drones become, the system that guides them will need to be flexible enough to accommodate futures as yet unimagined, or else it will be doomed to the same dangers, inefficiencies, and inequities of our ground transportation networks. In Christiansburg, Wing's pilot project turned into a lifeline for residents in the early weeks of the pandemic. And after COVID-19 restrictions eased, an affinity for drone delivery remained. A peer-reviewed study from Virginia Tech showed that 89% of respondents in Christiansburg had used the service or planned to soon, even as many identified a common constellation of concerns, noise, privacy, potential job loss, and of course, crashes. Three quarters of those who said they were bothered by the noise still liked the idea of the service. Christiansburg Middle School librarian Kelly Pasek became one of Wing's most loyal clients during the pandemic, using its drones to deliver library books to homebound kids, something that continued after the lockdowns. Some kids get a book a day, she says. On a bright spring morning near the end of the 2021 school year, she leads her 7th and 8th grade tech and education students on a virtual field trip to the Wing Nest. On the grid of a video conference call, an operations associate shows the children around, while Wing marketing rep Jacob Demet talks about the company and its origin story. He tells them about an elderly couple in Christiansburg who'd been having difficulty getting out to shop because one person had suffered a broken leg and the other had poor vision in one eye. Wing was there to help. We believe the sky is this vast resource that is untapped, Demet says. And if we use the sky responsibly, we can help society. Pasek demonstrates how the students might order goods in the future, choosing an adult snack pack from Walgreens, a cheddar popcorn, a Snickers bar, a frappuccino. How many orders do you get per day, a student asks. We want to keep our trade secrets to ourselves so we don't help our competition, Demet says. On the video conference, there's a rare delay in order processing because PJ is due for a break. Soon, a fresh pilot takes the seat, and the wing rep resumes his play-by-play. The tablet dings, and the merchant success associate weighs the order. How hard was the coding? Another student asks. Very hard, Demet replies. At last, the aircraft departs its nest, three miles away. The students pepper the wing rep with questions. Pasek steps out into the yard to wait for the drop. You can't hear it yet, but it's coming across the cloudless sky. A student wonders, what happens when the drone crashes into something? Demet answers without hesitation, that's never happened.